0: Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring your human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, my guest is Jeannie Weaver. Jeannie leads the retail marketing and special experiences at AT&T with a mission to drive growth and create value. Jeannie and her team are working to unlock this by delivering meaningful and relevant experiences for customers that celebrates and inspires them, connects to culture, brings the brand to life, and supports AT&T priorities and consumer experiences within their retail locations and beyond. Over the years, Jeannie has held all kinds of roles in the business, from P&L management, market and product launches, social media, advertising, segment marketing, and many more. Jeannie is also an executive producer of Love Loud, Super Saturday Night with Taylor Swift, JLo, lo the Foo Fighters, and Lady Gaga. Over the years, Jeannie and her team have delivered industry-recognized, award-winning work. Outside of at and Jeannie has held several board positions, including the Chicagoland Entrepreneurial Center and Cradle Associates, she is active within her professional and personal communities, focusing on challenges that face women in leadership and building a family through adoption. Jeannie herself has adopted two children, and one of the things that she loves to do the most is to take them paddleboarding. Jeannie lives in beautiful Redondo Beach, California, and I cannot be more excited to welcome her to the show. Hey, Jeannie, it's so great to see you and have you here today.
1: It is great to be with you as well. I mean, it's been two years, right? And here we are.
0: For those listening, Jeannie and I was just saying, we did an event together with Facebook, and it was literally in the spring of 2020. And when we got on today and both of us are still calling in from home, (laughs) it's like Groundhog Day.
1: It's like, I did not think we'd still be here, but yet here we are. My background has improved, by the way. I think we've done a lot to curate sort of what do people see when they get you into Zoom land? But yeah. other than that, here we yeah, are. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: So I'd love for you to kick it off and just tell us a little
0: bit about you, what you do at AT&T. And then as we enter year three of this pandemic, how are you thinking about things?
1: I've had the pleasure of working at AT AT&T for many, many years, maybe a few more than I'd like to admit, which, you know, lends itself to the type of eye cream that I use on a daily basis. (laughs) You know, I've been around the company because it's such a terrific place to be for quite some time. In today's world and environment in this moment, I've got responsibility for retail marketing, special experiences, and also we've got three flagship stores across the U.S., that my team programs, and so what that really means is anyone who comes into an AT and T store, what you see, the imagery, the messaging, how things are merchandised, my team is responsible for curating all of that. And then with the flagship stores we have, it's all about really bringing our brand to life. So you sort of step into the globe when you come into one of those stores. We've got them in San Francisco, in Chicago, and in Dallas. And then the last part of my team is special experiences. And we do a ton of work, outreach, and really great engagement with the African-American and LGBTQIA community. Just some really cool full 360 degree campaigns that include content, social media, live experiences, when we can get them. Right. It's an awesome place to be, like I said, in a really fun role. I feel Super grateful to even be part of the team.
0: And how many people are part of the broader organization
1: they lead? Yeah, we've probably got about 45 folks that do a lot of that heavy lift. And then we've got agency partners that extend well beyond that, but 45 core team members.
0: Great. Jeannie, when I think about you and your work, I mean, you are a very results-driven leader and you've had some great results over these last couple of years, but it's also been a really challenging time to lead. So how do you strike that balance between getting the results but also leading during some really, really turbulent times?
1: Actually, I would tell you that I don't know the formula changes. I think when you start with people as your approach, the results come. So all of that sort of follows naturally when you're starting with all of your team members. I'm a big believer in superpowers, right? So it's not just the job that you're doing or the title that you're holding today we sort of bring these full kind of experiences to life, to work every day, jobs that you've had in the past, personal experiences that you've got in your everyday life. And so I think tapping into the superpowers of people and really leaning on that and allowing people to blossom and sort of their own very heroic ways is truly how I've actually achieved results for many, many years. Really the last couple of years as we've been going through this pandemic, to me, it's just almost a double down, a double click, an exclamation point on what I've already believed to be true and sort of a method and a way for me engaging people to accomplish all that we needed to accomplish for the firm.
0: Yeah, If you manage through the lens of what I call honoring relationships, Mm -hmm. it doesn't change much. But I do think for people that weren't doing that before, all of a sudden for many people, you know, I often say the soft stuff's really the hard stuff and the important stuff. Being in the people space had people thinking that this work was sort of the soft stuff and didn't have a bottom line implication. And it's those people that now that are like, wow, I guess I... Need to focus on the people. But sure. you know, for someone like you, it is. It's just doubling down and putting that exclamation on it. So it was a good way to explain that.
1: Even in the way that we're communicating with large groups and people, I've found to be a little bit different. I have changed some of my communication style, where typically, as the leader of the organization, I was doing more kind of formal, broader communication. Now, I would show up in the town hall meetings and the large meetings, things of that nature and present. And so there would be that kind of approach. But I think I find myself most of the time in my day-to-day in smaller group settings and in one-on-ones because previously you would set the strategy, set the expectations, set the tone with the larger group. And then I would be doubled down and interacting with my direct reports to Mm -hmm. then cascade that through their organizations. And I'm still doing all of that, but it gets really fun because now I'm in these smaller team meetings with my direct reports and their direct reports, really talking to them in these kind of smaller group formats. That's been cool because I'm watching individuals their pieces of the work, their contributions are really coming through and shining right in front of me, where I may have missed some of the contribution in the past. I would hear about it. I would understand. We would celebrate that. But this is much more intimate. And so I think those smaller group formats have been really, really effective.
0: And are you saying that that all came about during the
1: pandemic? We were doing some of that live, but now... I'm really filling up my calendar and spending the majority of my time in those types of settings.
0: I've heard that from a few leaders. It's sort of the skip level meeting because we've been more on Zoom. It allows you the opportunity to reach more people. So really interesting. So on this topic of Zoom, not Zoom, and the question of what now, are you in person? Are you remote? Are you hybrid? How is it working?
1: We actually took a step back to look at every organization at AT AT&T and really understand, first of all, there's such great recognition that we've been achieving exceptional results and getting great production and sort of engagement with people in a virtual environment where we've got people who are working in the stores. We have people that are technicians and they're out, whether it's laying fiber, they're putting connectivity into people's homes. There are some frontline work that has to go on, that's critical to our business. For those that are in positions where they can be remote, we have been remote. And so really assessing all of that and seeing how effective everything has been working for our customers and for our shareholders, we really said, okay, what departments really need to be in person? What departments can be virtual? And so for my specific organization, we are actually tagged as virtual. So I have now employees that live on the west coast and the central of the U.S., on the east coast. We really saw a lot of people migrate into communities where they were closer to their families and where they had additional support systems for themselves. And so because we're virtual, What we will do is soon, when we find that it's a safe time for us to come together, we'll come back into in-person meetings, but truly through intentions. Because again, over the last couple of years, we've been able to accomplish really terrific Mm -hmm. things in our home offices and remote spaces. We will get together because there's just this craving of the energy, the human connectedness, right? Like I want to be with people, but I want to be with people with intention because there's a lot of safety questions that come to mind or protocols that need to be in place for us to do that in a proper way. So I think we'll swing a little bit hybrid. It will be with intention, not just to say you're in the office.
0: Right, and you won't be able to even do that because you have people all over the country now.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: It sounds like you'll figure out some regular, whether it's quarterly or monthly, to get together so you can have that burst of in-person connection.
1: That's right. For a lot of us, for the larger organization, it will probably be quarterly. From a leadership perspective, getting together once or twice a month will be the cadence that we're looking at.
0: Before we started the call, you referenced an article that I just wrote in Harvard Business Review called On-Sites or the New Offsites." Yes, If you were to design, like when things feel safe and you finally bring your 45 people together for that first day, couple of days, how will you think about that?
1: The first thing that is a big recognition for me is making sure that I've got a lens and can care for the fact that people are gonna get back together, but they could be feeling very differently about it. There are gonna be some people like me, super enthusiastic, I can't wait to like, hug people, right? If they say yes to the hug, I'm coming in for it, all of that. But then there are going to be others that it will be challenging, right? You're going to expend a lot of energy and just getting back together and you may need some moments of decompression. So I think the very first thing I'm going to do is make sure that I'm caring and curating sort of time and space for everyone in terms of how they could be receiving or how then they're interacting within the meeting. I think the second thing is we're absolutely going to make sure that we're clear about the purpose. Like why are we coming together? Why is this so important that we're on track to accomplish it? And then I would say the last thing that will be really top of mind for me is how do we build in that additional relationship building time? because we have been interacting in this virtual world. And it's interesting when, how many times have you met someone for the first time? Because we've got new team members that have come aboard and all of that. We've met them only on video, only to show up in an in-person environment. And you're like, oh, wait, the dynamic feels a little different, right?" right? So with us versus maybe what it's felt like on our video calls. So I will be very intentional about making time and curating experiences so we really can connect sort of human to human.
0: And right, thinking about everybody's coming at this from such a different place. Yes. I'm an extrovert and I just led a three-day retreat over the last couple of days and I was so wiped at the end, like in a <laughs> good way, but I'm like, wow, what about the introverts? I mean, so right. one of the companies that I interviewed... It was the rituals book. They were talking about bringing all their people together and they had a couple of really cool ideas. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But I remember at the end, after a four-day retreat, it ends on a Friday. I remember they gave people- The travel time. Yeah, they yeah. gave people that Monday off or you come in yes. late. Like just this recognition- of we're now going back home. So I thought that was interesting. There was also a night off in the middle. Right. For people to just order a room service, like truly decompress.
1: You know what? I recall, I believe I was reading that as well. And I loved that recognition that they gave that Monday off of like, hey, you were just in a suitcase, away from your family, all of these things, and just giving that person sort of that time. That was the greatest ending ritual of that meeting, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, because we all know how we feel at the end of that. You want to leave people wanting more. So you get that day to decompress. So look, I'm with you 100%. It's what I spend most of my days thinking about. You know, How do you create these intentional meetings or retreats. The last thing you want is somebody who commutes in for a day and he gets there and no one else is in the office and he or she is in a corner doing the work they could have been doing at their home computer.
1: Absolutely.
0: A recipe for resentment.
1: That's exactly right. I think we do recognize that work location should be way more flexible. The fact that over these last two years I've come to realize I can conduct a meeting, and if I've got, call it 45 minutes in between the next one, I can actually go outside and take a walk. Now, I'm still focused and productive. In fact, I'm more productive and more focused after the fact that I went out, got some fresh air, and I can come back to it, right? So agreed. I think that flexibility, that understanding of that, allowing for that, and just as you know, a leader of people to open up for that type of flexibility and actually go champion it. That's the one thing that I've realized is I need to make sure this is not a do as I say, but truly do as I do. And I need to tell you that I am doing those things. Oh, I took a walk this morning. Exactly. Yep. I'm on this call right now, but you know what? I'm actually looking out to the horizon (laughs) because I'm out getting some fresh air or whatever that thing is we should be recognizing that so people know it's okay we've got to normalize that
0: right and especially just from a wellness perspective with all the stress and all the loneliness and all the isolation and even though we've been on zoom and had flexibility we're working more hours than we've yes, ever right. worked and it's got to come from people like you it's got to come from the top and to normalize these things, but also say, you know what, we're focused on our results. I mean, that's where we started with this, that you as a leader are results oriented and you're really changing the way work gets done. So I'm really going to be excited to follow up with you and hear about these quarterly retreats. And, you know, I was thinking when you said it, if you do four year, you could almost do one in San Francisco. You could do them all the big stores, right? Yes. Like one in Dallas, one in Chicago, one in San Francisco, and then one in like Miami or like somewhere totally different.
1: Well, that's right, because our stores are all across the nation. And so number one, it's always incredible to get into each of the different sort of geolocations and understand the neighborhoods and the localization that exists there. But you're right, it will motivate people. You have something to look forward to. It is very specific to the job. You're doing on-site research in these really purposeful places.
0: As you know, I um, think a lot and somewhat obsessed with rituals, and <laughs> like this will be a new AT and ritual for your teams. However, this cadence ends up being if they are these quarterly offsites, this is going to be a new ritual. And on that topic, I mean, do you have other rituals within your organization, either pre-pandemic or things that have kind of
1: evolved? You'll appreciate this, just especially because of how we met on the Facebook panel, which we were talking about gratitude. Yep. I loved that we were on a panel, by the way, and the whole topic was gratitude. We've got a book club that we erected during the pandemic, and we actually start the book club with moments of gratitude. So we just really kind of open it up for people to talk about what's on their heart, what's on their mind, what are they grateful for? I love that ritual. The other interesting thing when I think about our video calls, and this is personally and professionally. I found it was a great equalizer because when you think about when you're sitting in a room, there's a dynamic often of who holds the highest title, what is someone's position, what's their decision-making authority, and people can sit in meetings and it's really influenced by that. And I found the most interesting thing happen when we got on these video calls. You could be on with the president of this business unit And everyone else working on a project and everyone has the same voice. Because guess Mm -hmm. what? We all show up as little boxes, these little chicklets. So I found it to be such a great equalizer that I loved. And I loved watching people emerge and give their opinion and things of that nature. Starting with gratitude in the book club and in meetings does the same thing. People you normally didn't hear from now put forward things that are on their heart, that are important to them. And then that starts to snowball. Other people start lighting up and engaging and participating. That's a ritual that I've really appreciated because I think it's not only galvanizing us as a team and in the moment we're in, but it's paying all these great dividends in terms of what it's doing for one another, our connectedness, but also opening people's minds to yeah, what am I grateful for? Mm -hmm. What is in front of me that is really special that maybe I hadn't recognized before? Whether that is, it's going to be spring. I looked over at a cherry blossom tree and it was twigs. And then I looked over the next day and it's full of these beautiful pink blossoms, right? And someone's like, oh, wait, I have this recognition of sort of rebirth happening around me. Let me take a moment for that. So that's one ritual that I've loved.
0: I spoke to a company yesterday and we were talking about gratitude and I came across a study that found that when gratitude is built into the fabric of the organization, engagement goes up by up to almost 40%. And the other piece that I didn't know was that you end up having more people on your team that are willing to go the extra 10%, to give you the extra 10%. And as a leader, I mean, sometimes it's that extra 10% that makes all the difference.
1: Without a doubt, thank you for sharing those stats. I don't know that I had my finger on those exact data points, but I will tell you, I innately knew that to be true. I've seen it time and time again when people feel appreciated and feel connected to one another. I have observed it in all of my years in leadership, both at AT and T and another firms and places, and people will absolutely go the extra mile. It ladders up to a corporate output often, but interestingly enough, it goes back to where we started, which is it actually starts with people. They're doing it for that person they're sitting beside, or they're doing it for their direct supervisor because they feel such an engaged part of the team, a valued part of the team.
0: I think people remember that. It's what keeps people out of company, right? You get to know them in different ways. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. And the final question is more personal to you, which is as Jeannie Weaver, what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you?
1: I think the thing that makes me feel authentically me is daydreaming. When I daydream, when I am in a state of daydreaming, I'm thinking about, the future or what's possible. And every cell in my being in that moment believes, I believe things are possible. I believe it to be true for myself. I think I can accomplish it because I'm feeling it. I'm in that state of being. And I personally am just built on belief, the idea of possibility and all things can be achieved. So I think when I'm daydreaming, I'm experiencing it. It's existing for me. So yeah, that's probably when I feel most like myself.
0: Do you make time in your day or your week to daydream?
1: No doubt, every single day. I'm a big believer also in guided meditations and things of that nature. The interesting thing about daydreaming is it's excellent coming off a meditation session But you can take moments even throughout the day just to be still and be quiet and be hopeful and thinking about what will be. And you can land yourself right into that daydreaming state. So it doesn't have to be a scheduled activity. You could take well advantage of it.
0: I think I need to try to build in more time for some daydreaming in my life.
1: Get those daydreams in, Erica, get those in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for me, I'd probably have to schedule the daydreams. I'm not sure if they would come naturally. (laughs) I will report back.
1: Whatever works.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Whatever works. So, in closing, I mean, anything else that I didn't ask that when you think about, we're in the middle of February 2022, going into this third year of life as we've come to know it, and this question of now what? Anything else that's sort of on your mind?
1: I think the only other thing that I would want to really wrap an exclamation point around truly is. The ability for us to put forward grace and vulnerability, because I think those two things unlock a lot for us. We have all experienced things that we've not in our entire lives. And so I think being open about that with other people and sharing those types of things really helps others understand that they're not alone in all of this and that we really are better together and that they have people around them that they can connect with and lean on. Vulnerability is key. And then grace is giving yourself grace in these moments, understanding that you're doing your best in every single moment, just keep putting that foot forward, keep it moving, baby steps, right? But give yourself grace. And when you allow yourself that grace, I think what flows through is you allow others grace. And that also is really key and important in the moment that we're in. Well,
0: I could not have said it better myself. So Jeannie, thank you so much. Great to see you. One day we'll see you in person.
1: I can't wait. I mean, can I come in for the hug? I mean, you let me know if you're comfortable with that. But if- I am
0: ready for the hug.
1: <laughs> to be continued for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. I appreciate it. Take care.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Left Door Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly-ish update on all things human at work, or just want to say hello, email me at erica at erikakeswin.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you soon.